Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. I just want to share a few brief thoughts this morning. I'm going to try and condense what I had a little bit this morning. So uh, thank you, Lord God, for just uh, leading my thoughts now, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, we thank you for this time together this morning, celebrating what you've done. But Lord, I just pray today that you would just, Lord, speak into our future, Lord. Speak into our hearts the things you would have to say to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, last week, David shared about uh, on the life of Paul and uh, the disciplines of Paul. And uh, I encourage you, if you missed last week's message, uh, or if you missed the week before with Dee sharing about becoming all that God's created us to be and taking every thought captive and allowing ourselves to become what God's called us to be, if you missed those messages, I encourage you to listen to the podcast. As of about today... We have now had 7,000 listens on our podcast. And I, I say praise be to God that the word can go out from here. It costs us some money, not a lot, to put that podcast together. It makes our sound guys have another job to do. But 7,000 people over about two and a half years have listened to the word of God here at CFC all around the world. We have people that regularly listen and some that have uh, sent emails to, to talk about the, how those messages have touched their lives in other places. And I think, praise God, that's, that's almost 10 people a day that are listening to the Word of God through that podcast. And I think, praise be to God. If you don't listen to podcasts, there's still CDs available. Um, but uh, if you can, listen to those messages that you miss. Um, I believe God will speak to you as you do. I just want to look at a couple of verses this morning briefly. In Acts chapter 19, the last time Dee was talking, she was looking at Acts chapter 19, but she skipped over my verses, so that uh, uh, that's all good. Acts chapter 19, verse 20, it says this. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Lord, let that be true today. The message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. I pray that people would hear and see what's happening here in Colac and say, wow, the message about the Lord is spreading widely and having a powerful effect through us. Afterward, Paul, compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia and Achaia before going to Jerusalem. After that, he said, I must go on to Rome. He sent his two assistants, Timothy and Erastus. Erastus, I love that name. Does anyone know anyone named Erastus? It's like we know plenty of Matthews and Johns and Jameses. I'm surprised Erastus didn't catch on. Erastus. <laughs> Someone's telling me we have a chance. That's true. <laughs> um, anyway, he sent his two assistants, Timothy and Erastus, ahead to Macedonia while he stayed a while longer in the province of Asia. I just want to look at one thought out of this passage this morning. It says, Afterward, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia and Achaia before going to Jerusalem. And he says, I must go on to Rome. If you look at the ESV translation, he says, Paul resolved in the Spirit to pass through these places to go on to Jerusalem, that he must go on to, to Rome. I must go on to Rome. He felt compelled. I wonder if you've ever felt compelled to do something. Maybe you feel compelled to go to work on Mondays. Maybe you feel compelled to go to school. When I say compelled, it's bound, obliged, or maybe even forced kids or adults. 
Maybe you feel bound to do the things that you do. Has anyone ever felt compelled? Maybe you were uh, learning an instrument as a kid and you felt compelled to practice because your parents were spending all this money on, uh, on lessons. Some of you weren't compelled enough to continue on with those things. <laughs> Some of you are saying amen to that. Maybe in the morning, kids, you wake up and you're getting ready for school and you feel compelled to make another cheese and Vegemite sandwich for the 10,000th time of your schooling life. Does anyone ever do that? Cheese and Vegemite sandwich, it's just so quick and easy. Ham and cheese, maybe. You feel compelled. Just imagine for a minute, though, that someone came to you one day with that thing you feel compelled to do. Maybe it's going to work, maybe it's going to school to practice your instrument. Maybe you're... I, I, I fear to say, I feel like I used to be an athlete, but uh, as an athlete training for a goal, you feel compelled to go out and train no matter what the weather. You've committed this part of your life to train for a goal, and I know for myself as a cyclist, I, I looked outside, it's blowing a gale, it's minus two degrees it felt like, and it's raining, but I was compelled to go out and, and train. But just imagine for a moment that thing that you feel compelled to do. That someone comes to you and they say, No, no, don't do it. Do not make another cheese and Vegemite sandwich. Now, I can't imagine this happening, but... Oh, do not go to work today. Do not touch that piano and have one more practice on there. Do not do that thing that you feel compelled to do right now. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to kill you if you do that. Andrew, if you go out and train today, it's going to kill you. Don't do it. Don't do it. If it was one of those days when it's two degrees and raining and blowing a gale, I'd say, yes, thank you, Lord, for sending this messenger to tell me not to do this. And, and presuming that this person knows something and they have some reason to tell you these things, they say, don't go, don't do it. You'd be like, all right, maybe I'll have a chicken sandwich today. Sounds good anyway. Maybe I can even get creative and put some salad in there. Um, Paul felt compelled to go on to Rome. Now, I'd love to look at the, all the verses ab about this, but we just don't have time this morning. But Paul felt compelled to go on to Rome. We, we read in chapter 21 that he, he's... One day some people come to him and they begin to prophesy and say, Paul, if you go on to Jerusalem, there is only suffering that lies ahead. You're going to be bound you're going to be put in prison. You're going to be jailed. And you're even going to die if you go on with this. You must not go, Paul. But Paul says, I know those things lie ahead. I know there's trials ahead. I know the suffering ahead, but I am bound by the Spirit. I am compelled by the Spirit of God to do this. And I know the cost. And I'm going. And it says another person comes to Paul and says, and he, he takes off Paul's belt, and he, says, and he binds himself with the belt, and he says, you are going to be bound like this if you go on, Paul. You must not go. And the people all say, yeah, Paul, you shouldn't go. But Paul says, no, I must go on to Jerusalem and on to Rome. He feels totally compelled by the Spirit, moved, committed, appointed, ordained. If you look at the biblical word for compelled, it's not so much bound and forced, it's it's an it's a ordained for this calling that Paul feels. You know, to be honest, I think some of the things that we feel 
compelled to do. It doesn't take a death threat to stop us feeling compelled to do it anymore. You know, someone looking at us the wrong way sometimes can make us suddenly not want to do it anymore. We can have a criticism. Someone can get angry with us. Someone can get frustrated with us and suddenly, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not going. It's too hard. And we want to give up our calling because of something that's happened that discourages us. It doesn't take someone coming and prophesying, saying that if you do these things, you're going to be put in jail. We can lose that sense of being compelled to go on to God's calling for us. I wonder, what does Paul know? What are we missing that he knew that helped him to continue on even though he saw the cost associated? What is it that he knew? What is it that he understood that compelled him to go on even though he knew jail and suffering and even death lay ahead? I want to look at three things really briefly this morning. And I think you might have to jump ahead to find my verses. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Uh, verse 13, sorry. It says, If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Other translations say Christ's love compels us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Um, in verse 20, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Paul was compelled to go on to Rome because of Christ's love. It was Christ's love that compelled him to go on. He says, I must go on to Rome. And to be honest, I don't think it's so much about the fact that he feels called to Rome or Jerusalem. I think it's just a sense of God's love must be known. God's love must be heard. This message is the, is the message of salvation. Christ's love compels him. He says, I must go on. Despite whatever trials, whatever the cost might be, I must go on. I've got to finish this race that God has called me for. I don't want to just drop out and say, oh, I had a go, it was a bit hard, I'm not going any further. Christ's love compels him. And I want to ask you this morning, does Christ's love compel you? Do you know the love of Christ for you? Do you understand day by day, are you aware of Christ's love for you? I think we can come, become so familiar with the Christian phrases of God's love for us but day by day that we don't truly stop and think and meditate upon the fact that Christ so loved you that he died upon the cross. That there was no way to be set free other than Jesus' sacrifice for us. It was the cost of our forgiveness. Without Christ, we are lost. Without Christ, we do not have hope. Without Christ, there is no future in eternity. Christ's love compels Paul. 
And I pray that we would know Christ's love, that it would compel us. Not that we'd feel guilty about it, but we'd be so excited. I love the way Paul says, if I seem crazy, it's because of God. We were on a bus trip back from Melbourne one day, and I was voted the most likely person to be locked up and uh, couldn't talk their way out of an asylum. It was a game we were playing. I'm not doing well at explaining myself there. (laughs) But I thought, if I seem crazy joyful... It's because of God's love for me that he has changed my life, that he has set me free, that nothing can take away this joy that I have in Christ. But if I try and contain myself and seem normal, it's for those that I'm trying to explain the love of Christ to. I love the way Paul says that. Christ's love compels him. I'm going to try and just keep moving on. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I think there's an next verse up there, yep. Even though I am a free man, Paul says in verse 19, with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. Paul makes himself a slave, a bond servant, a servant out of love to Christ and to all people that they might know the hope that he has. And skipping down to verse 22, it says, When I am with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. And I think if Paul had a chance to explain his verse right there, he would say, and I know that I can save none. But I totally believe in the power of God to work through this humble, frail person that God can use you, that God can use any single person who gives themselves to him, that God might change the lives of some. It's up to those people to respond to the message. We can't respond for other people. But out of love, we can give ourselves to them in love to share the hope that we have in Christ. Verse 23, he goes on, he says, I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise... I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. What, what drives Paul on in this, in this calling? What drives him on in this, in this compelling to go? It's Christ's love and it is the knowledge that this is the good news. There is no other way to salvation. There is no other way to eternal life. There is no other way to enjoy the blessings of God than through Jesus Christ. This is the good news, and without it, people are lost. Paul's compelled. He wants them to know and share the joy that he has. And he has a knowledge that this is the race. Can you just click up that next one? I'm not sure where it is, Laura. This is the race. You know, today we are not training ourselves for the future when we will live for Christ. Today we are living the race. We're not waiting for the race to start. We're not training ourselves and preparing for that day when one day we'll sort of we'll be ready and we'll be good enough to, to live for the glory of God. Today is the day we have to live for God's glory. 
Paul's saying, I don't want to spend my whole life telling other people about the good news, telling them how to live for God, telling them what opportunities they have and not take the opportunity that God has given me today. I want to live this life. I want to run this race and complete the race for God's glory. I don't just want to talk about it. I want to live it. He's going to live it. He's going to communicate the power of the gospel. (laughs) Time is ticking. I am so aware that this life is so short. And I've said it before, 35 years old, like if I live to 70, my life's half over. If you're 70, you could have a good number of years left. Praise God. Who knows how many years we have. But there's many good and godly people that go home before 70 years of age. I want to make every day I have count for the glory of God. I believe Paul was compelled by the love of God, the knowledge that this is the good news and this race is running right now. And we want to be purposed in every step as individuals and as a church. I wonder what compels you. What compels you to do what you do day by day? What compels you? And maybe you think, well, I've got to go to work. I've got to go to school. I've got to do the things I do. But even as you go, what compels you? Is it just that you have to? Or is it your attitude that you want to be and live for the glory of God? Because to be honest, we can do any number of different things in this life, but it's our attitude in those things that makes all the difference. What is it that compels us to do what we do? Are we coming back to the love of God, that this is the good news, that this is the race, the the, the life that we have to live for the glory of God? Maybe we need to ask ourselves again, God, show me the people I have opportunity to share with. Maybe in your work you you don't see any other people. Maybe you can't get out of home very often. You come into church on a Sunday, but you you kind of feel like you're stuck at home and you you can't get out to share the love of God. I want to encourage you, when you're here at church, take every opportunity to encourage someone, to pray for someone. Maybe you can pick up the phone during the week and just as God puts someone on your heart, someone just comes to mind and think, hey, maybe that's God. I'll give them a call. I know through my years as a Christian with a mobile phone at times God puts people on my heart not just here but in other places and I just think I'm just going to send that person a message send them a verse that I read this morning let's be looking for opportunities and asking God to compel us to live to move for his glory I just want to skip on to to talking about us as a church There's five things I just want to briefly mention that I feel God is compelling us in as a church. And the first thing I want to say is something that we've talked about the last couple of years. I've I've talked a a little bit uh, through messages, but also in meetings we've had with different leaders about the core values we have as a church. And I just wonder if you can put that up, Laura. We have, I just want to point out three things that I would say are, are core values for us as a church. And these aren't perfectly formulated statements. These are just where it's at right now, how I would summarize these beliefs. These are things that I feel in a hundred years' time, I pray that we will not deviate or shift from these things. And number one is that we would uphold and proclaim biblical truth 
always. That we would never deviate from the truth of the Word of God. People might come with great ideas, there might be great philosophies come, there might be teachings that come. But if it is not the truth of the Word of God, then let's let it pass away. God has called us as a church to to hold to the authority of His Word. There is... There is no greater authority. There's no new revelation. It's God's Word that is the authority for us as believers in Christ. And in the last days, there are many voices that will rise up, it says. And we can see voices that rise up, that expand on the Word of God, that twist the Word of God. And we need to be so careful. I was debating whether to say it. I just feel led to right now, but... I was just doing some reading through the week about a translation of the Bible that I've heard a little bit about recently, and it's the Passion Translation. And I know that some people absolutely love it, but I've got to say, we've got to be so careful what we believe to be the Word of God, because if you read the Passion Translation as the Word of God, it's twisting the truth. It is expanded, it's changing the Word of God, and it's so dangerous. Um, I was doing some reading, Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, he doesn't claim that his writings are the Bible. But the Passion Translation is translated, believing it to be the Bible. And we need to be so careful who we listen to and who we allow to influence us in what we believe. And some of you might struggle with that statement, but I've got to encourage you to come back to the Word of God. Satan didn't deceive Adam and Eve in the garden by saying a, a truth that had no, a, a lie that had no truth entwined with it. He came with a half-truth. He came and twisted what God had said. And if you look at the Passion Translation, there are statements in the Bible that are just completely expanded and things added into the Word of God. We've got to be so careful. God has called us to uphold and proclaim biblical truth always. Secondly, to value and protect the sanctity, the sacredness of the whole body of Christ. We are not on our own CFC, the body of Christ, but we're a part of it. Praise God. Every member of his body is important to him. And we want to value the whole body of Christ. We want to protect the body of Christ. We want to be committed to one another. Oh, I love the fact that our, our kids' ministry comes out after Sunday services and hands out fly, uh, not flyers, notes of encouragement to the whole church. Well, not everyone, but lots of people. I love that our kids want to minister to our older people. Our older people want to minister to our young people. I love that we go to other nations, other, other places, and share the love of God with other people because God loves the whole body of Christ. And we want to value that. We want to protect that. We want to be committed to His body. I pray we can all say amen to that. The third thing is that we would strive to be lovers of God, proclaiming and showing the love of God always. You know, kids, God loves you so much. I'm just getting a little bit distracted right now. Can you just (laughs) strive to be lovers of God? I don't think they heard me. (laughs) Proclaiming and showing the love of God always. You know, I don't want you to believe the lie that we should always preach the gospel and occasionally use words. We need to, sh- to show the gospel, but we also need to proclaim and speak the gospel. 
But first, we've got to know God and love Him ourselves. That's number one. <laughs> Three things. The second thing I want to point out this morning is something I feel God is compelling us to investigate, compelling us to, to look at this opportunity we have is a Christian school. It is something that I, I to be honest, I, I think about the idea and in the natural I think, God, I think that's too big. God, I think that's too scary. God, I think we're pretty comfortable as a church. I don't know if we need to do that, God. But I feel compelled that I must go on and investigate this thing that I feel God is stirring within me. On Saturday last week, being in Wyndham Vale and seeing the new Christian schools opened up there and the property they're on is probably similar size to this and seeing what God is doing through that, the, the families that are coming in, the families that are getting saved through that opportunity that God has led them into. I want to say this too also, that I don't feel God has said to me, Andrew, start a Christian school. I feel God has called me to investigate the opportunity to present this opportunity to you as a church and to say, would you pray? Would you pray? And over the next six months, I'm praying that we can really take some steps in that investigation um, to meet with some people, to talk about some things with certain ones, to, to see where God would lead us. It's so easy to shrink back and say, oh, let's not do that. As Paul said, I must go on to Rome. I feel, God, lead us on to the opportunities you have for us. Let us not just shrink back and say, this is too hard, but let's go on with God's strength, compelled by the love of God, that the good news is, this, is the message that saves. The third thing I want to say is church planting. You know, praise God, our church planting has already begun. And some of you are going, Really? What are you talking about, Andrew? Our, our church planning has already begun. We've got groups of people that are, that are feeling so stirred that they're getting together and they're praying every week that God would lead us in these things. And I think right there, God's already begun planning a church in that place. His church is already there and they're praying. And I want to say thank you to those who've been continuing to talk about the things that God's stirring in you, the places that He's put on your heart. And Again, it would be so easy for us to say, oh, we've got things comfortable here. We don't want to send our musos off to some other place or we won't have any musos here to lead worship here. But we must go on with the message of the gospel. We must go out with this hope that we have. This message is not just for ourselves. It is for this world that is lost and broken and hurting and needs a saviour. God, lead us in these things. The fourth thing I want to say again is Aboriginal missions and, and missions to any other place and country and people group. But I'm continuing to, to, to knock on some doors and, and pursue this calling that I believe God has put on many of our hearts. And I encourage you, please pray. And fifthly, I'm just trying to go on quickly, to continue on in the things that we are already doing. It takes individuals who give their time, who are committed and willing and prepared to invest in the programs that we have, that we see the young people that have been touched and changed by the love of God through the programs we have. It takes people continuing on in these callings for these things to continue. You know, if none of you were committed to Sunday mornings, you know, we probably wouldn't have a service because people would just sort of come when they felt like it. 
If we didn't have people committed to different programs and, and, and activities, I, I, I tell our young people, as the state youth, state youth Leader Training Day last week, I, I was saying to the youth leaders in the state, I was saying, the programs we have don't excite me. The programs we have can be really frustrating, to be honest. And if anyone runs a program, you're probably going, yeah, amen, it's hard work. But the programs create opportunity for us to tell people about the love of God. The programs we have create an opportunity for people to come and hear about the love of God. And I want to ask you this morning, would you pray, would you say, God, put on my heart how it is you want me to continue on in this year ahead? Where is it you want me to be committed and invest my time and my life? I need to wind up. I've already talked about some of the, the, the opportunities we have as a church. I must go on to Rome, says Paul. He knows the cost. He knows the trials that await him. And if you have opportunity, I encourage you to watch the movie about the Apostle Paul to see the, the agony he goes through, potentially, as he, he writes those letters even from, from prison in Rome. He says, I must go on to Rome. Now, since I came to this church, I've seen CFC grow from about 70 75 people on a Sunday morning to up to 150 on a Sunday morning. We have gathered with us and praise God that we've pretty much doubled inside us in that time. You know, through the weeks, uh, through the programs and, and ministries we have, there's 250 to 300 people on a week-by-week basis being ministered to by the love of God through this church. And I think praise be to God. But I wonder in five or ten years, how many people, who does God want us to enlarge our capacity to minister to? Maybe there'll be, maybe there'll be 250, 300 people. Maybe there'll be six, seven hundred people through the week that are ministered to by the love of God. I wonder what is it that God is calling us to and will we be prepared? It takes many individual people to run the programs and things that we do. And it's not about building our kingdom. In fact, I believe God has called us as a church not just to draw. Uh, you know, there's, there's a quote, I can't remember exactly, but it talks about the, the greatness of any organization isn't the ability to draw people in. It's about sending them out with the message of the gospel. And as a church, we don't just want to draw people in. We want to send people out with the gospel. To see church plants rise up, to see people grow, rise up in their calling in God. Paul made himself a slave in order that some may be saved. I wonder what's he calling us to make ourselves a slave to, a bondservant, out of love, out of love for God. In the natural, we may say, wow, this seems so hard, but by the Spirit, we are made strong. We must go on to those things he's called us to. I ask the band to come, and we're going to sing this song called Anchor. I have this hope as an anchor for my soul. Through every storm, I will hold to you. Maybe today you feel like you're going through a storm storm and you're thinking, how can I commit to anything beyond myself right now? But Christ is our strength. He is the one who holds us. He gives us rest. He allows us to stop and be refreshed. But let's listen to what His Spirit is saying to us as individuals and as a church today. I just want to pray. Lord God, we just thank you that you know us. 
completely. Lord, you know our fears, our struggles, you know our future. Lord, we're so aware of our, our frailties. We're so aware of our, our weaknesses at times, Lord. But Lord God, I just pray that as Paul was just compelled by your love, that we would be compelled by the love of God, that we would day by day be so aware of your love for us, that we could not contain this hope within us, but we would have to go out and tell people that we could not help but, but show people and declare the truth of who you are and what you've done. Lord Jesus, we just so want to say thank you that you are our hope. That, Lord, you're the rock on which our lives are built. That, Lord, you do not change. That, Lord, no one who comes to you, you will turn away that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord, I just pray that you would give us such a confident joy in this truth, that we would boldly go out with this message of hope to this world, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.